The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. to the business of the business podcast i am your host jp john Paz from the two-man power trip of wrestling this is episode number 14 and joining me of course is my co-star mr trump mania himself lavi margolin lavi how are you doing today sir i'm doing great i'm really looking forward to this interview talking about classic wrestling and distribution Yes, and of course, we have a special guest with us, Mr. Adam Parsons from Jared Parsons Entertainment. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing very good. I can't complain at all. It's uh, crazy weather up here in the Northeast, but uh, but we're doing good despite that. Uh, I'm not sure. Where are you based? I'm trying to remember. I know uh, we've spoken before. But where are you based out of? Uh, I'm about an hour north of, uh, of Nashville in uh, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. So I'm used to that weather, uh, being from up north, but uh, the people down here aren't. So they're, uh, they're struggling down here a little bit with all that's going on. Yeah, I feel like some places handling it better than others. Obviously, Texas is not used to any sort of snow. So even if it's four or five inches, they, you know, they're not used to it. They can't handle it. So uh, we're, we're used to it, uh, us, us northern folk. We're, we're, we're used to this crazy uh, snow and this crappy weather. So yeah, I, right now it's just uh, I'm used to it, but I think um, it's not. It's a once in a not a once in a lifetime thing, but it's a once in a while thing, I guess, uh, for the South to get this kind of weather. We're seeing snow here, at least where I'm at. Um, that reminds me of my childhood growing up in you know in the Appalachian Mountains in West Virginia. So we got a good bit of snow this week. We got close to a foot. Damn, crazy. Uh, but as far as kind of where you come from and your background and we're going to get into obviously jared parsons wrestling and jared parsons entertainment but what is your background as far as the wrestling business i know your father is a famous promoter and everything but how did you kind of uh, get into the business is just because it's a family business yeah um so i always like to tell people this way when i was a little kid five six years old um uh, you know my dad was a tape trader because back then that was the only way you could watch other promotions other than reading about them in magazines or dirt sheets and uh so he traded tapes with some guys and uh i remember being five six years old guys asked me who my favorite wrestlers were and i told him tommy rich uh tommy rich is still my favorite wrestlers tommy rich and jerry the king lawler so kids five six years old my age were watching uh, stone cold steve austin and the rock you know i got to watch them too uh, but I, I got to watch a lot of stuff on VHS and later on DVD of all the territories. And I just, I grew up around it. Uh, the youngest of five, my dad worked uh, out of the house for all of them, uh, but worked inside the house uh, when I was, when I was growing up. So he basically raised me um, and I'm a lot closer to him than any of the other four, probably because of that. So it was just uh, him working in his home office. Uh, with a TV playing in the background of old wrestling, and I sat there and would just watch it and fell in love with it. So yeah, I've been, I've been uh, at my dad's uh, kind of joined at his hip uh, wrestling wise since I was a little kid. So I just kind of, I went right into it, and I, I'm glad I did. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't trade anything for it for certain. Now, as far as actually like getting into Jared Parsons wrestling and working with him, is that something that that is something you always wanted to do as far as really getting into the business and really working hand in hand with him? I think the main thing that I want to do in wrestling is just learn as much of it as I can uh, from as many different aspects as possible. Obviously, as a little kid, just wanted to be a wrestler, um, didn't care about anything else because um, I didn't know, you know, the behind the scenes. Uh, my dad actually didn't um, expose any of that to me until I was probably 11 years old. 
maybe even 12 years old. And I think I just got slowly exposed to it by uh, if a guy wore like a jacket or a robe to the ring, I would grab it and take it to the back for the guys. And I think that's how I slowly got exposed to it was being in the back. So on the surface, uh, I just wanted to be a wrestler. Then I eventually became a referee at 13. Um, then started helping my dad, you know, book some matches or give him some ideas for finishes um, around that time as well. Then became a wrestler. Uh, actually became a promoter before I became a, a wrestler. I promoted a couple fundraisers uh, for my high school football team. Then became a wrestler and then uh, kind of combined all of that together. And then now I'm on the back, the back end of it uh, with production and hosting um, with that. So it's not something I ever thought that uh, as a little kid, man, I want to be a host of a wrestling show. Um, but I would say since the age of about 13 or 14, I didn't, I don't really care what it is. I just really love this business and, uh, I'm willing to learn anything possible. Man, you seem like a very young guy to be kind of getting into the business very, very young and, and booking shows and being a part of shows. That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. And I, I kind of grew up in an area. Um, at least this is my philosophy. If, if you didn't, if you don't come from an area where there was a territory, um, your wrestling fans are not wrestling fans. They're sports entertainment fans uh, because the only thing they were able to see was the WWF on national television or WCW. Uh, but my area where I grew up in West Virginia didn't have a territory, uh, North Central West Virginia. The WWF would come run spot shows in our area uh, in the 70s and 80s. But um, so a lot of my friends were not able to really grasp what wrestling was. They just saw it as what it was on TV. They didn't understand what my dad did at the time when I was growing up, which was independent wrestling. So I didn't really talk about it a lot. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty weird being nine years old. You go to school Monday through Friday and then on Friday uh, you're getting out of school at noon because your dad has to go pick up Jim Duggan at the airport. And, you know, you're hanging out <laughs> with Jim Duggan for the weekend and then you go back to school on Monday and it's just like, you know, no big deal. Uh, but, yeah, I guess it's. It, Looking back on it, it was weird, but growing up in it, it was just normal life to me. Yeah, that that's like it, when you're a fan and you hear stuff like that, like man, that is so you know very very cool. And for you to be exposed to it and doing that kind of stuff, it, it's very very cool. And as far as you doing the production, was that just very easy for you and free flowing because you do have so much experience, even though young, but you do have so much experience in the business. Uh, I think it was free-flowing because it was something that I love and something I wanted to do. Um, I think if I was doing production for anything other than wrestling, I wouldn't have cared to pick it up as fast as what I did. Uh, my brother Michael was actually uh, the production uh, genius behind all of this. He's a very tech-savvy guy, and I'm really not. Um, so he learned most of it, and then he taught some of it to me. And then I, through college, whatever, I kind of learned some of it by myself. But he still knows a lot more about it than I do. So when we started our Roku channel, it was literally just my brother, Michael. And you think about it, if you guys uh, got to watch us when we were on Roku, we had so many hours mm -hmm. on there. So many hours of wrestling were on there at one time. It was crazy. Uh, and my brother, Michael, literally produced and, well, I won't say produced, but he edited uh, every single episode that was on there. I helped him the first month, and that was it. So he's way, way, way more tech savvy than I am. But now with our um, new syndicated show, Classic All-Star Wrestling, I'm doing everything uh, as far as the editing producing on that. So I'm a little bit behind uh, my brother as far as what he knows, but I think I've slowly but surely came along. So that's probably my weakest, uh, my weakest link uh, in wrestling would be the, the production side of it. But it's something that I've picked up here in the last year, and I'm, I'm glad I have. So are you still on Roku at all, or, or that that's over with? We're not. Well, we're on Roku through uh, the Power – I think it's called the Power Slam Wrestling Network. Um, it's kind of – Pivot, uh, Pivot Share owns it, and they have uh, anyone who has a, a wrestling channel through Pivot Share or has a channel. There's a lot of wrestling promotions that use it. Um, Pivot Share has kind of created their own channel for Roku. The only reason for that is that Roku is a very uh, – to put it politely, they're not the easiest people to deal with. Um uh, financially or just trying to get an answer on something um so we kind of got away from roku but about five to ten hours of what's up on Jarrett parsons entertainment um, is on roku the rest of it you can get uh through the apple app store or the google play store just uh it's just search Jarrett parsons entertainment the app will come up 
that's 99 cents a week, 13 cents a day, uh, $3.99 a month, however you want to look at it. But it's the cheapest uh, streaming platform available. But yeah, we were on Roku for a while, just kind of testing the waters. That was the easiest thing for us to learn. And then once we kind of grasped uh, what we were doing, and like I said, they weren't, they're not the easiest people uh, to negotiate with. Um, so we decided to go to the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store just for the fact that there's so many more people um, that can reach us that way. I mean, you think about it, name someone that you know that doesn't have a cell phone. Right. I mean, yeah, I won't hold my breath because you'll be thinking about it for a while. Uh, now, name someone you know that doesn't have a Roku. Yeah, you can come up with you know half a dozen to a dozen people pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot smarter choice for us to go that route. I know that there's a lot of fans, that, especially wrestling fans, that have a Roku. Uh, but they have a cell phone as well. And most of them have a smart TV, and they're able to stream it to their TV. And that's something to where maybe right now we have some fans that are like, hey, I wish we were still on Roku, but in a year – um, to a year and a half from what we're being told, it's going to be so much easier to stream things from your phone to your TV. Um, so that's what we're we're kind of banking on. We're kind of looking ahead with a little bit of foresight rather than stay behind with Roku and pay a much higher bill to just reach less people. Didn't seem um, just didn't seem very profitable to us. Gotcha. Now, as far as Jerry, uh, Jared, and and his relationship with you guys. What did you guys, I know probably through your father, but how did that kind of relationship start and how is it still currently today? Um, so I'll answer how, how it started first. So actually pretty cool. Uh, my dad um, bought the, of course, both you guys, I'm, I'm sure, were tape traders. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yep. PM, PM Films he used to sell the old classic territory, which is that stands for uh, Pedro Martinez, was the old promoter in Buffalo. But when he got out of promoting, he started to buy uh, people's tape collection. He bought the Poffos. He bought some of Dick the Bruiser. He bought some of the Sheik, you know, the whole, basically the whole library that we have. Um, we bought the second half of the library from his son, Ronnie. Um, and the other half went to the Oakland family, which Todd Oakland um, has now taken that over from his dad. But uh, anyway, uh, we had some Memphis tapes and... At the time, we only had maybe about 10 hours of Memphis wrestling in our catalog. So we're like, well, how do we get more? Uh, you know, we tried to, who owns Memphis wrestling? Uh, so we went back and looked at the court case between Jerry Lawler and the Selkers and that whole mess with selling the USWA. And it basically came down to where it said nobody owns it. Um, so we tried to reach out to a couple more people, talk to Lawler about it, and he couldn't give us a clear cut answer. And then we ended up finding the guy that actually, uh, he's the only guy in the world that has the master tapes. Um, so we just decided to lease it from him and make it real easy that way. And once we um, got the tapes from him, uh, we were talking about interviewing some old Memphis guys. And my dad said, hey, let's just reach out to, to Jarrett and see if he'll do an interview. I mean, he would know the stories better than anybody. He was the guy that was there and, and booked it all. Um, so my dad just reached out to him, uh, actually on Facebook just sent him a quick message and said, Hey, if he doesn't answer, I'll get his number from Tommy rich or Ricky Morton or any of the guys that we know. So he sent him a message and Jerry responded about a week later. And we drove down to his house in Franklin, uh, Tennessee and met him. We started talking, we interviewed him, spent about two hours there. And for whatever reason, he said, Hey, come up to my office real quick. So we walked up to his office and the coolest part about that is we get into his office and on the corner of his desk is sitting the trophy that used to open the show for Memphis Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I saw that trophy and I was like, oh my gosh, like that's like the coolest thing in the world, right? I mean, to a Memphis Wrestling fan, that the only thing uh, cooler than that's Jerry Lawler's crown. Um, so I saw that and was like, that's, that's awesome. So we sat down and started talking and he basically just told us his idea of this reality show he wanted to do called Olympus Wrestling, um, which we did uh, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago which was basically the American Idol version of professional wrestling. Three judges, guys go in and wrestle, they get judged, you move on, so forth and so on. Um, so we started working on that with him originally. And we did that first. We, we shot the pilot and everything. And uh, a lot of people don't know this story, but Jarrett um, had the connection for us to get on television. We actually had a, uh, a meeting schedule with CMT to get on television with Olympus wrestling. And our agent was a guy named Barry Bloom. Um, Barry all of a sudden stops answering Jarrett's calls one day. 
And about a week goes by, two weeks goes by. My, I mean, Jared just keeps telling my dad, oh, maybe he's busy. And I've, one day, Barry Bloom calls uh, Jarrett back and tells him, that, hey, I've got a little bit of a better offer uh, with a lot, with some guaranteed money. And I think it's going to be more profitable for me. And left it at that. And about six months later, maybe to a year later, uh, AEW is on TNT. So uh, I can't blame him for that, but that's kind of how we got started. We were doing the Olympus Wrestling, and we had Barry Bloom, and everything looked like it was going good. But then, you know, when the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars has uh, $100 billion or whatever he has and starts throwing a little bit of guaranteed money around, uh, we kind of lost our connection there to uh, CMT and some of those bigger networks. So the idea went from doing Olympus Wrestling to, hey, let's just use this classic uh, library and see where we can get. Um, so it's worked out pretty well for us. I don't know that Olympus Wrestling would have ever, um, it was certainly I don't think would have lasted as long as what this has lasted. Maybe it would have given us a uh, short run success, but I don't think it would have created a brand for us uh, like this has. Uh, whether it's Jarrett Parsons Wrestling or Jarrett Parsons Entertainment, um, it's, it's easy for people to, um, to identify me with the name Jared Parsons, whereas I don't know if that brand would have been so easily created with Olympus Wrestling, if that makes sense. So I think for my career, it's actually more beneficial to do what we're doing now. Now, I know, Lavi, you have a ton of questions. Yes. Um, so um, as you'll uh, learn, I'm, I'm big into distribution and uh, um you know, different streaming platforms and everything like that. So I, I'm excited to to go over some of that with you. So um, when um, when you began acquiring the physical tapes, um, what was the process like of cataloging it? And was there anything that um, was just too worn out that it couldn't be translated to any broadcast format? Oh, um, yes. Uh, to answer your second question briefly, and then I'll come back to it. Uh, the process of, of getting it um, was was uh, actually fairly easy, uh, really. At the time, uh, Pedro Martinez's son, Ronnie, was getting older and was wanting to get rid of it. He wanted to not – well, he wanted to give it to someone or sell it to someone who he knew would do the right thing with it. So he's trying to find someone that really liked uh, old-school wrestling and understood what it was but also understood – uh, how to work three-quarter tapes and three-quarter machines and get, them, and get them dubbed over. So what had happened was, like I said, he'd sold uh, half the library to the Okerlands a couple years before we got a hold of it. For whatever reason, they didn't buy the whole thing. I have no idea. Um, then he ended up going uh, to my dad and saying, hey, you know, we kind of worked out a, a deal with one another. And then Ronnie actually passed away literally about a month to maybe even two, up to two weeks before we were supposed to meet. So didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. All of a sudden, his son calls. So now you're down to the third generation of the Martinez family. And uh, he kind of told us, like, hey, I kind of got some information here. Looking through my dad's emails and notes, he's written down stuff that he's wanting to sell this to you. But there's no price here. So we kind of renegotiated, and we ended up uh, uh, meeting him and, and, and getting it done. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, as far as cataloging it goes, uh, I can remember being a little kid and having all those tapes in there. And we put them in the filing cabinets, and uh, I just sorted them, started putting them in the piles. Put all the Southwest in one pile, put all the ICW in another pile, put all the WWA in a pile, Detroit, so forth and so on. And then I started putting them by the episode numbers um, and put them in order. Because what Ronnie had given my dad to let him see it was the catalog of what was left. So it was already cataloged for us. It was just a matter of getting that organized in a way to where we go with that master tape. Uh, to answer your question about was there some of it that doesn't work? Yes. Uh, we've actually lost hundreds of hours of footage that doesn't work. Uh, some of it was from us and some of it was from other people. Uh, we met Jody Hamilton one time in uh, Charlotte at a fan fest. It was maybe the last year they, I think it was the year before the last year they did the fan fest. Uh, Jody was there and gave us his tapes to Deep South Wrestling. The stuff in the 80s, not the developmental stuff they did with Vince, but the, the stuff he did in the late 80s there in Georgia. He gave it to us. I think he gave us like 80 hours, and I think only four hours of it was good. Uh, the rest of the collection, whatever kind of tape he used at that time, just did not 
hold up. Um, still held together vi- uh, visibly when you looked at it. When they put it through the transfer machine, it literally just tear to shreds, and you couldn't couldn't hardly keep any of it. So I think we got one one or two master tapes out of it was all. So yeah, there's been some along the way that have been lost. Um, there's a company in New York that we send our stuff to, and there's well, there was a company in New York and a company in California. I think it just depends on who's uh, available at that time that my dad sends it to. And one time we lost like uh, ten tapes in the mail, uh, and had an insurance claim on it. And then when you lose it, they call the post office and say, hey, I've lost this. And they're like, okay, well, we'll just give you your postage back. Okay, well, what about the value of the tapes? And then it comes down to, well, what do you value them as? And obviously the post office doesn't value those tapes as much as what uh, we're claiming that they're worth. So it's, it's been sometimes you have some setbacks. But, yeah, there's definitely some long-lost uh, great territory wrestling footage that has just gone uh, to the wayside due to advancements in technology. And, honestly, uh, those old promoters just not uh, keeping very good care of some of that stuff. No, that makes sense. And it's kind of, um, you know, even though it's a business, it's serious, but it sounds like there's a fun aspect to it, sort of like discovering something that hasn't been seen and figuring out you know, how we can make it work and, and get it out there to the public. Yeah, it's, it is cool. And actually, it's funny that you say that because we just found something today um, that we don't think has ever played on television before. Uh, it's really cool. So it's going to be on our new uh, DVD set. We have a DVD coming out, uh, which all of our DVDs you can get at JarrettParsonsWrestling.com. Uh, we've got T-shirts, uh, Bruiser Brody Wrestling Buddy, Tony Atlas Wrestling Buddy, uh, Bruiser Brody Card Set. Uh, but the main focus there is the DVDs. Um, of course, you can always go to Amazon and just type in JDAT Sports, which is J-A-D-A-T Sports, and all of our DVDs will come up there because that's our uh, – that's our official uh, business name. Um, but something really cool we found, we're, we're uh, uh, working with the Oakland, with, with Gene Oakland's son, uh, with his half of the library. Uh, he's a wrestling fan. You know, his dad's mean Gene Oakland. But <clears throat> I won't say he doesn't have a lot of interest because I think he does. I just don't know if he has, like, the um, drive to do it, I think. I think it was something he did with his dad, and I think now that his dad's passed away, it's very hard for him to try to do something. So my dad has kind of been working with him, and we purchased his uh, ICW footage, uh, leased it from him, actually, to use it for DVDs. So we're getting ready to make the best of ICW Volume 1, which is going to come out uh, before the end of the year. It was supposed to come out earlier in the spring, but with COVID, our distribution company has been kind of put on back order. So I'm thinking by fall of this year, Volume 1 will come out. After Volume 1, we've got a four or five volume set of ICW. Uh, towards the end of ICW, Jarrett, when they formed with Jarrett, Jarrett was using their TV stations under his banner. So if you get to the end of our ICW catalog, it's actually just all Memphis matches. But like Lanny's hosting some of it, um, and then the ICW commentators are hosting some of it. And they just did it actually uh, at a Randy's apartment. They set up the little studio, and they just played the Memphis matches, and they hosted in between it, and they still called it ICW Wrestling for about six months, but it was really Memphis. And there's a match on there um, because that's how we got the – I told you earlier, we had about 10 to 15 hours of Memphis Wrestling in our catalog. Angelo was buying – Randy Lane's dad was buying some of these masters from Jarrett. They would play that week on TV, and then Angelo would say, what are you guys going to do with that? Jarrett would say, just tape over it. And he'd go, well, no, give them to me. So, and he, and then of course they were giving him matches to play um, for their TV, like I was just talking about, where they would do the wraparound hosting on the Memphis matches. So, Angela, this is what our thought process anyway that Angela probably got his hands on this match, and it was something that Jarrett never used, but Angelo kept in his catalog. It's from the Mid South Coliseum about 1983. Austin Idol against Ken Patera. And Austin Idol beats Ken Patera in the middle of the ring by submission. And I won't say anything more than that. Um, so I we've never seen it. Uh, can't find it on YouTube. Can't find it on anything. That match between Austin Idol and Ken Patera. And I've never seen Ken Patera ever lose uh, by submission. 
so it's cool. I mean, I've got to see a lot of cool stuff uh, on some of those tapes. Some of it we've used. Uh, some of, we've got a lot of stuff we've never used uh, that you haven't seen in 40 years. Uh, but, yeah, that was something cool that my dad just actually found, uh, I think, yesterday or the day before. So it's, 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 it's really cool being able to go back through those old tapes and, and, and find things like that. No, that's awesome. And especially from a North American perspective, you know, you really hold history. A lot of it has been sold to WWE already and, and then not put out there. So to have these things still exist and then be able to share them is is wonderful. Um, so with the classic wrestling show, um, I recently saw that um, it was listed as rolling out to 20 channels and 42 countries worldwide. Um, so how is that process done? Do you begin reaching out to station managers or do you have a, uh, a rep that, that has these relationships? Uh, we have a rep. So when we first um, started to get our independent wrestling show, the IWWA on TV, uh, we would just simply, my dad, uh, I helped him out sometimes when I was younger. Or he did it a lot by himself, or my mom would help him. Uh, he would just go through and get a list of stations in these areas, and he would go through and get their emails and say, hey, here, just here's a generic email. Send it to him. Uh, put this 60-second uh, video in there. Sometimes we send them a whole episode, and uh, we'll see if they respond. And a lot of, you know, it's a, it's just a numbers game. You get enough, you email enough stations, so many of them are going to say yes. So, we you know, we've done some of that ourselves for a while. And uh, we just kind of talked about it, and we said, hey, you know, we're off Roku. Um, and we're on the phone app here, but it's kind of like restarting because you're switching from one, you're going to the other, you're changing the name. Uh, you're doing a lot of different things. And the people that made our... Uh, phone app for android and apple they weren't they weren't the easiest people to deal with they're from new zealand with covid going on they're almost 24 hours behind us it was it's a little frustrating uh through that transition period so that's where we got the idea to go through uh syndicated television which we had that was our first uh, experience we did that before we even ever released a dvd um but that's when we just kind of came up with the idea hey let's get someone to do this for us and we found a we found a guy to do that for us um, paid a pretty uh, hefty lump sum of money to get that done, but in the long run, um, he's got the connections, and he certainly does because he's he's got us in some places that we definitely couldn't do ourselves. And uh, it's really, I tell you what, the coolest part about that about this is, the coolest part about it is that one, uh, thank you for uh, inviting me to come on your podcast because to me, um, I'm just me. Uh, but it's really cool that someone would take the interest in me to even want me to be on their podcast. Because uh, I can remember when we first started the Roku channel, I was asking people to be on their podcast. So to me, that's really cool. Um, the second thing is is the amount of fans that either message our Facebook page or message me and just say, hey, I just watched your show and it's awesome. And I think that is the coolest part about this is uh, – just being able to connect with wrestling fans. You know, I've never met a wrestling fan I didn't like. And the reason for that is they like wrestling. So we can all, uh, whether you like this style of wrestling or I like that style, we can all agree on something. Um, but no, to answer your question, that's, we got a, we got an agent, uh, an agent force that kind of handles that thing. And he's, uh, he's doing a pretty good job. And he's pretty an easy guy to work with. Great. And um, I'm, I'm waiting for it to roll out. I know on the list was Carib Vision and here in New York City, it's actually uh, uh, in my uh, station listing. So I'm looking forward to recording that when that drops. Um, in the uh, in the programming, is there the opportunity to run your own advertisement or, or to pitch to the um, to the subscription service or it's more of a standalone product? Um, well, uh, to answer your question um as transparent as i can to start out with no uh we want as most advertising money to go towards people that want to pay for advertising and the reason for that is is just for the fact that it's a um, uh, monetary benefit for us uh to not use our own advertising and to uh, give it to sponsors <laughs> the other thing is it makes us more appealing to sponsors uh, because there's a, a report that comes out every week um, that these guys throw as a pitch to these sponsors and the sponsors can read it, not read it, do whatever they want with it, make a decision with it, uh, however it goes. 
Uh, but Nars, you know, it always tells them, hey, we got the full time slot for a 30 minute show. You got the, you know, there's, there's this many minutes a week are available. Um, and we've so far, I've already picked up uh, two sponsors that have consistently bought uh, every show um, for at least, I think, the first 12 weeks. They've bought one's bought two or three spots in the show. One's bought one. Um, so it's it just gives us a more opportunity to get some momentum going here with getting some sponsors. What we try to do is in our in our format is the opening um, for the first twelve weeks we shot. I do a one minute opening of "Hey, here's what's to come," and the second half of the show I do a two minute um, wrap up of what what you just saw. Go into our main event, and for the, about the first six weeks I covered our streaming channel and our website pretty heavy. Um, our agreement was that I can we can cover as much of that as we want to on our time on our hosting time. I can talk about it as much as I want. Um, but that's something that that's it's weird now when you're dealing with an agent contracts negotiations and all of a sudden you've been doing things your own way. You know, on a Roku channel, we might have one show's 40 minutes one week and the next week it might be an hour and 20 minutes. And we don't care because it's our channel. But now when you're dealing with somebody else, all of a sudden, uh, you know, you get – I'm sitting here editing the show. And my dad will call me and say, hey, you got to change this because they just called me and told me they don't want it. You know, so it's it's different. It's a completely different atmosphere. Even though it's our gig and it's our show, uh, we have a boss, which is something that we're not uh, necessarily used to. But it's a, it's been great. And it's been a smooth transition. But, yeah, to answer your question, um, we plug our – we plug our – uh, our product uh, who wouldn't that's what you know wrestling as tv on wrestling started as an infomercial to come to come to the house show um, so we use the shows kind of the same way hey here's some great classic wrestling you're only going to see 21 minutes and 30 seconds of it a week and if you want to see more you can come to our channel or you can come buy a dvd and that's that's kind of the platform that we use no it makes sense and um i'm somebody that i keep track of syndicated wrestling i I do searches where I'm like deep into whatever state or city, kind of see what wrestling I could find. And um, from my tracking, I would say that it's already um, the third most distributed um, pro wrestling syndication. So after Ring of Honor and, and Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. So kudos on that already. Thanks. Um, sure. Um, so with so many new um, streaming options emerging and um uh, fasts becoming sort of the new uh, big thing, um, especially something like Pluto. So we've had on uh, the guys that are um, one of the main distributors to the Pluto wrestling channel. So I'm curious, have you had some outreach or had some conversations with companies like Pluto or, or Zumo about having your own streaming channel or distributing some content to wrestling dedicated channels? Um, actually the Pluto channel is, uh, and I, we, I don't think that my dad has reached out to Todd Oakland about that, um, uh, but they're using some of his stuff on the Pluto channel. Um, so they must be in contact with him because some of those releases that are on there, uh, I just know just from looking at it. Oh yeah, that was, that was something the Oaklands did. One of my saw was the Lone Star Shootout, which is some of his Southwest footage, um, which was the other half of the, of the Southwest and the PM Films Library. Uh, that we bought so they're they've they've contacted him and it won't be long i'm sure that either they will contact us or uh todd Oakland will tell them to contact us and we'll talk to todd and we'll get brought in conversation or something like that um the other channel you mentioned i'm actually not uh familiar with pluto caught my attention but the other the other channel you named um i'm not familiar with but it's not to say that something couldn't happen um, but as far as being on any other wrestling or related channel, uh, it would really just depend on if it benefits us. And um, by that, I mean that it, sometimes when you say things like that, it sounds like, oh, well, you don't care about the fans. Well, we do because um, you can catch us on your phone. You can watch us on syndicated television. Some of those syndicated television shows we're on uh, have their own Roku and Fire Stick channel. So between those three things, you're able to reach us if you want to. Uh, you just have to find us. But there's certain uh, wrestling-related channels that we've tried in the past, and it's neither one of the two that you mentioned. Um, it's it's another one that does a lot of pay-per-view, uh, wrestling pay-per-view uh, streaming, where they, they just don't um, – 
they don't benefit us, I guess, to put it politely. And what I mean by that is there's not enough revenue um, streamed out of them. And that's happened a couple of times. I'll, I'll trial, uh, trial by fire basis, I guess. But yeah, I mean, if Pluto said, somehow we got in contact with them and I said, hey, you want to put classic all-star wrestling on there? Sure. Sure. I mean, if you want it, um, it wouldn't be any problem for us as long as it's beneficial for both sides. Sure. That makes uh, a lot of sense. Um, Rith, um, you know, having a good understanding of the television industry and um, especially television now expanding what were once low power stations are now higher power stations and stations being able to have more bandwidth. Do you imagine there being uh, an independent 24-7 pro wrestling channel one day? As far as a tel- like an actual television channel? Yeah, something that's like on a digital tier or um, like um, like a sub-channel that, that's nationwide? So actually, um, I do. And the reason for that is, uh, <laughs> is because if nobody does it, we may eventually. If we can ever get to that point where we can do it, we would. Because that was actually my dad's original uh, intention. In 1990... Um, Well, actually, the point of that story actually goes back farther than that. Uh, My dad became not on a full-time basis, but became on a somewhat talking basis with Ole Anderson in the late to mid-80s. The reason for that was he'd kind of reached out to all the different territories. And like I said earlier, where I grew up, there were no territories. Uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling came to Charleston. They came to Huntington. They came to Wheeling. Vince came to Wheeling uh, every so often. That was all we got in West Virginia. My dad's idea was to take a smaller version of their crews, whether it be Crockett or Georgia. Um, he reached out to Vince as well and just said, hey, I'd like to run these towns. I think you guys could do good in some of these towns in between those three towns you're running. And Ole was willing to take him up on his offer. Um, but for whatever reason, it never really materialized, but they were in conversation. So in 1990, 1991, my dad started buying tapes from the Sheik, started buying tapes from Dick the Bruiser, and started buying tapes from uh, – uh, George Cannon, who ran uh, Superstars of Wrestling in Canada, um, which if you guys have ever watched uh, the IWA on anything that we have, uh, George Cannon was the uh, manager of the Mongols on there. Uh, but his idea was to do that because at the time there was no streaming, there was no internet, was to just have a 24-hour wrestling channel. And his idea was, I'm just going to buy these tapes little by little by little, and maybe someday I can pitch this idea to somebody and it can happen. Um, so it can happen. The other idea my dad had was, uh, which is just a, uh, a funny story that I like to tell on how the wrestling business kind of works. If I get this channel going with all this classic wrestling, his idea was that his forethought after that, once I get that channel, will be that all those old guys will become relevant again because they'll be on TV. So he was telling Oli one day, he said, you know, if you guys would have a channel, he was trying, basically trying to get a, a conversation with Ted Turner. That's what my dad was trying to do. He said, if you guys would get this old classic footage, like I'm buying, you could create a channel of just wrestling. You could put your shows on there and leave your shows on TBS. But the other thing it would do is make these guys that are old new again. And you could go on tour with the old guys, just like you're going on tour now through the house shows. And he said, you could probably do a pay-per-view of the old guys. And only took that idea and ended up becoming Slamboree. Uh, that's kind of where Ole got that idea. That started right there in 1991 when my dad was doing that. He kind of told me that idea and Ole took it and, and did a pay-per-view of it. Uh, but to answer your question, yes, I do think it could be on cable 24 hours a day because Vince, another reason is that Vince McMahon thought that. That was the original uh, intentions of the 24-7 channel, which was the precursor to the WWE Network. Uh, Jim Ross has, has stated that Vince thought if you could show news 24 hours a day, if you could show the weather 24 hours a day, then, dear God, you could show wrestling 24 hours a day. If you could show both of those things, because they're boring as hell, the news and the weather. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, certainly, you'd have uh, two dedicated viewers right on this call right now for the 24-7 channel. Um, so without being too nosy and prying, I'd imagine, you know, knowing the am- uh, amount of uh, footage that you have, that from time to time, somebody from the WWE comes knocking. 
has it, um, you know, uh, you and your family, uh, it sounds like you're very entrepreneurial and doing very well, sort of as it is, has the offer just not been right for WWE right now? Or, or do you sort of kind of think of it as like more of a legacy thing that it's more than just a business? Well, no. Um, if there's one thing that I've learned um, in my adult life is that sometimes uh, what's best thing to happen uh, has to that has to be over your own pride, um, which sometimes we can all be have too much pride in whatever we do, uh, our job or our passion or whatever that can take precedence over what's actually the best thing. If there's one thing I've learned that it's that if I'd be crazy to say that if he put the decimal point in the right place, um, that we wouldn't sell it to him. I mean, that'd be insanity because he sat there and say, Oh, I'd never do it. What, what if he offered you a billion dollars? You know, I mean, yeah, well, then I we would then, obviously. Um, but that's, that's, that's. If he ever offered it, ah, maybe. Has it been offered? Yes. Uh, over the course, we, my father bought these tastes in about 2000, somewhere between about 2008, 2009. It's, their offer's been there on some of it. Not on all of it, um, and actually, they just uh, per well, they just I won't say purchased. They just um, asked for our permission to use some of it. Uh, they're working with A and E to do some wrestling documentaries. I'm not. I don't really understand what it's about, to be honest with you. And I was the main representative on our side that talked to them. I really don't have any idea what the show's about. It was explained to me in a way. It was explained to me two different ways. Uh, but I think I think AEW is doing two different shows. They're doing one series where they're going around almost like American pickers, and they're t they're picking up collection pieces um, of different guys. Like they're trying to collect all the memorabilia they can of Andre the Giant or Jerry the King Lawler or Flair. And they have another show where it's like a biography show on Annie. And the one that they asked us to be a part of or asked for some footage of was for Shawn Michaels. Um, because he was in Southwest Championship Wrestling. So they used a very small amount of footage, but they did. And um, so they know who we are, and obviously we know who they are. And when we went and interviewed Bob Armstrong, which that DVD will be coming out uh, before the end of the year, um, which is probably the coolest thing I've ever done. I was the last guy to ever book Bob Armstrong between me and my dad, and I was the last guy to ever interview Bob Armstrong, which is awesome. Probably one of the coolest things I will ever do in my life. Uh, I will never forget it. But when we got there, we were at Road Dog's house and we did it. And Road Dog tells us, yeah, I watch your guys' channel on Roku and I love it. Um, so when you got someone that was writing or helped writing the show for SmackDown, and he's watching your show, and you got another guy that's a road agent for you and his dad is part of the network, uh, that being Jeff Jarrett. Uh, I don't find that coincidental that uh, about three months after we talked to Road Dog and his dad, uh, that they come calling, they call my personal cell phone. Uh, asking for footage to Southwest Championship Wrestling. So uh, there's definitely some interest there on their part. Um, are they willing to do uh, the right things with the footage? I don't know. And I think that's the hardest part for my dad. Um, my dad at this point is doing his, from his point of view, is doing it for two things. One, he's doing it for his love of real professional wrestling, uh, not what they're doing. They have all kinds of old territory footage. They don't even play on their network. And now that they're going to Peacock, they're going to play less of it because Peacock's not going to pay for the bandwidth to play as many hours as they have. Peacock doesn't have as many hours on their own app as what the WWE app has. Um, so that's going to be severely cut, and it's going to be cut in classic wrestling. So that's just one problem with it. Second thing, the second reason he's doing it for, and it may sound uh, however you want to call it, biased or whatever. Second reason he's doing it for is a son. He has a son, that'd be me, and my brother Michael that have uh, been doing this for the last 10, 12 years. And if he can put us in a better position and uh, help us uh, grow a career out of it, he will. So there's going to be have to more things would have to happen than just, hey, here's some money for your tapes. Uh, I think my dad would do it if the money was right and it got me and my brother a job. If it didn't get me and my brother a job, I don't think he'd do it. Unless, the, like I said, the decimal point would have to be in the right place.
No, that's that's very informative and appreciate you sharing that. Um, John, did you have uh, some additional questions? Yeah, when you were talking about Memphis and who owns it, so technically Jerry Jarrett really doesn't own that Memphis footage. You guys were <laughs> leasing it from somebody else? No, isn't that backwards? So you become yeah. partners with the guy that promoted and created all of that and you have to buy it from somebody else to use it. That's, that's so most, weird, yeah. The most backward thing of all time. Um, guy that owns it that has uh, retained ownership of it because, as we all know, uh, at least in America, maybe not worldwide, but in America, possession is what? Nine-tenths of the law. So the guy that has all the master tapes uh, in his house or in his office, wherever he has them, is the guy that owns it because he was able to go and file claims for ownership over all of this and was able to provide, here it is. I do have ownership of it because I have it all sitting right here. He ended up buying every master tape. Uh, Memphis TV, Channel 5, they didn't keep the master tapes. They just got rid of them. Louisville, they didn't keep them. Evansville kept them, and that's where he got them. Uh, but it was really cool about this and that's what makes it so cool about the memphis territory is a lot of people don't know this memphis was one of the biggest territories for the bicycle tape do you guys know what a bicycle tape is yes sending it around the markets yes sending it around the market right so if it it's, plays on this channel on monday you mail it to the next station they might only play it on wednesday that mail it to the next station so forth and so on um, so that's how that went. It got taped in Channel 5. That's why Channel 5 didn't keep them. They took it. They took that three-quarter tape, and they mailed it to the next town. And it went around the whole loop, and most times it never made it back. Whoever was the last market to have it just kept it. The last market to have it was never Evansville, but for whatever reason, Evansville's TV manager, I don't know. Um, I'd always like to know and figure that out, but most of those people now, I assume, are probably dead, or you wouldn't have any contact information from them made a separate copy of it and shipped it out and kept all the wrestling tapes. So this guy made an offer, Evansville TV station sold it to him, and he has it all. Uh, but for the fans that don't know what a bicycle tape is that are listening to this, because I'm sure some don't, is what we just said. So play, it would kind of go around the loop. Uh, but the way it works out is really weird because in Louisville, or in Louisville, as some people pronounce it, in Louisville, uh, on Tuesday nights, they were actually a week behind. Did you guys know that? <clears throat> no, I didn't realize that, no. Yes, they were a week behind. So you'd go on Saturday TV. Uh, you'd work your spot show on Monday or whatever they had. You'd go work the Mid-South Coliseum on Monday. And then you'd go to Louisville when you're a week behind. So Ricky Morton explained this to me one time. He said, Adam, let's just say that me and Robert are the tag team champions. We show up to TV that Saturday because we just won them on Friday. So we show up to TV on Saturday as the tag team champions. We go work the spot show on Sunday. We go work the Mid-South Coliseum on Monday as the tag team champions. Well, guess what happens on Tuesday? The heels are still the tag team champions, and we get screwed out of the titles. And then we go to Evansville on Wednesday night, and guess what? We're the tag team champions again. Now try being a booker in that territory. Yeah. You got one night out of the week, you're a week behind. Yep. And you can't even imagine trying to piece with, it together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you have to keep up with now. God, now where were we last week in this angle? You know, so whoever the booker was, it used to be Jarrett would take six months and then Lawler would take six months. And then every once in a while, Dundee and uh, Eddie Gilbert and Dutch Mantell and those guys got the book too. But normally it was Jarrett for six months and Lawler for six months. Jarrett used to tell me that was a full time job just booking. He, he didn't do any of the promotional work. I mean, people took care of all that. Eddie Marlin, Randy Hills, his mom, uh, whatever towns it would be, took care of the posters, the advertising, all of that. He said sometimes it would literally take him to book a whole week of wrestling. Sometimes he'd have to spend uh, four or five hours a day in his office just trying to make sure that all fit together because they were a week behind. And they were for years um, until then. But, yeah, it's crazy. Jerry Jarrett, you know, you got the owner, uh, the booker, the guy that created all that. He doesn't even own the, his own tapes. But that's the wrestling business. They didn't think that it was important. Yep. Crazy. As far as Jared and Lawler, is it true that Lawler didn't want to book six months out of the year because he wanted to pay attention to the Browns football season? You know, I've never heard that. 
Uh, I've really never heard that. I've never, I've never heard anyone say that. So I've never asked Jarrett that, but that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Oftentimes, Jarrett has said to me, which I'm sure he says things. He said some things to me in conversation that I would never repeat um, outside of that conversation. This is not one of them. Uh, I would definitely repeat that to you right now, and he'd probably be able to take up for it. He's probably said it before. He would book for six months. A lot of times what he would do is he'd go on vacation. He wouldn't even be in the territory. He said it was so stressful. He'd be so burned out trying to get that done that in order to stay in the business and do it, he'd go to Florida for like two or three months. And he said, I'd come back from Florida in two or three months, and I'd come back and go, Jerry, what are you doing? You're going to kill our business. Because they had two completely different booking philosophies. Everyone gets that idea that Memphis is hokey and Memphis is cartoony and Memphis is whatever. And, you know, I agree with them to some extent. Uh, that most of that came from Lawler. I mean, Lawler was the guy that created Kamala. Lawler was the guy that created uh, one of my dad's best friends, one of my friends, Rick Link, who was the uh, Man Mountain Link and the Beastmaster who ate raw chicken on television. Um, Lawler created all those guys. That wasn't, that wasn't Jarrett. Uh, that was Lawler. So I don't know. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Lawler didn't want to book <laughs> during football season. But I know that Jerry took the summers off, so you can schedule that however you want. Jerry may have booked from August or I guess the NFL most mainly starts in September. Jarrett could have booked from September until the spring, and maybe Lawler booked the summer. Uh, but I know that Jarrett took uh, the summers off, and he spent them in Florida or somewhere uh, tropical on a beach. Now, Dirty Dutch told me that about the booking, but who knows with him? Because sometimes he just says stuff like joking or, or, you know, try to get you going on something. I'm like, I never heard that before. And he's like, yeah, he goes, yeah, he wanted to pay attention to Cleveland Browns football season. Well, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, to put it in wrestler terms, Dutch will fade on a story mm-hmm. uh, if he thinks he can. And um, he's a little bit like the Fullers, Dutch is, in the sense that. Um, he could be completely full of shit. He knows he's full of shit, but he's going to tell you that's the truth because the story just sounds a hell of a lot better that way if he tells it to you that way. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes the story sounds better than the truth. Yeah, and and he knows the difference. Just like you know, Ron and Robert Fuller, especially Ron uh, with his podcast. There's some things he says in that podcast, and I'm like, that's not the way that went down. But uh, it sounds a lot better. <laughs> I guess to him and some other people, it's not that he's putting anybody down, but you know, it's one of those, uh, you know, we drew a thousand and now, uh, that was in 1975. So now by 2021, uh, it went to, we drew a thousand and now we drew 10,000. One of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So the myths just grow, uh, larger as the time goes on. Absolutely. Now, as we head towards the close here, please, I would once again, just give us all the plugs for everything you got going on, especially, with Jared Parsons wrestling and entertainment. Yeah. So uh, where you can reach us, if you want to watch just a uh, 30 minute wrestling show, classic wrestling, that'll leave you wanting more each week. Uh, Cause that's the one thing we're getting back in feedback is, Hey, can you guys make it an hour? No. Uh, Cause the reason was we wanted you to come back next week and watch more. Uh, it's classic all-star wrestling, all stars hyphenated. So if you go to type that into your uh, direct TV or your dish or your Comcast or whatever, You may need to hyphenate in order for it to show up in your search. Um, Again, that's that's our library. That's uh, all the territories that we have, plus uh, whatever we lease, which is about 15 territories overall. If you're wanting to buy a DVD, trading card set, Bruiser Brody Wrestling Buddy, uh, Tony Atlas Wrestling Buddy t-shirts, anything like that, you can go to JarrettParsonsWrestling.com. And you can get all of that. If you want to watch streaming, cheapest streaming platform on wrestling today, or in wrestling today, I should say, uh, $0.99 cents a week, $0.13 cents a day, uh, $3.99 a month. It is Jarrett Parsons Entertainment, or you can go to JarrettParsonsEntertainment.com, and you can watch us through the web if you want. But everyone's got a cell phone or an iPad or a tablet or whatever, so it's much easier to just go to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Uh, and watch uh, Jarrett Parsons Entertainment. A lot of cool stuff on there. Changes every week, or changes every month, I should say. It's a lot like Stars or uh, HBO Max in the sense that you're only going to get about, I shouldn't say only, you're going to get more than you can watch in a month. You're going to get 35, 40 hours a month. Uh, But it changes every month. So you better watch it all that month because next month it'll be gone and there'll be some new content up there. 
coolest part about Jarrett Parsons Entertainment, some people don't seem to get, is, and this was my dad's idea. My idea was to take an old DVD release and put the old DVD release up there every month because we've already released it. Let's say something's a year old now. It's already been to the market. Has already drawn attention. Let's put it on there. No, that's not what my dad wanted to do. He wants to put a release that we have not released yet on there. So every month you will get at least one DVD release that has not ever made the market yet. Sometimes you'll get two. Guys, those are selling for $7.99 on our website and we're the cheapest. You go on Amazon, there's some of those DVDs that we first released are selling for $20 on Amazon and eBay. And in some stores. Uh, because we have a national distributor that puts our DVDs in stores all the way across uh, the United States. Um, so sometimes those DVDs are selling for $15, $16 in stores. We're selling them for $7.99 on JarrettParsonsWrestling.com. But before they ever get released, that alone is worth $3.99 to get a DVD release that you can watch as many times in a month as you want. You can go to... Um, any of those uh, DVD streaming sites that you can get on your smart TV, uh, Voodoo or anything like that, or Amazon Prime, or you can rent a movie. Name one movie that's on there for less than five dollars. I won't hold my breath on that either, because you'd have a hard time. And for three ninety nine, you can get a whole bunch of classic wrestling plus a DVD release on Jarrett Parsons Entertainment. You can get DVDs, card sets, wrestling buddies, etc. on JarrettParsonsWrestling.com. And the one thing I'll mention right now, we open the show with it, talking about that huge snowstorm that has went across the south. It has really affected the people of Texas. This was my idea. Uh, I called my dad a couple of nights ago. Found no better way for us to be involved with what's going on in Texas than we have the Bruiser Brody Wrestling Buddy, which is the hottest item that we've had in the last six months. It is $20. That's a $40 value. Uh, we've marked it down to $20. When you buy that $20 Bruiser Birdie Wrestling Buddy, $10 donation will go towards the South and Central Texas Red Cross. Um, so not only are you buying the Wrestling Buddy, but we take $10 out of what you give us, and we give it straight to the South and Central Texas Red Cross uh, to help those people that are uh, literally fighting for their lives. Um, so we've got a lot of cool things going on. And, of course, to just follow, wrap around one more time, Classic All-Star Wrestling is on, uh, like you mentioned earlier, on all kinds of channels, 42 countries, 22 stations now, uh, growing every day. So check your local listings. And to be really old school like that show is, if you want us on a TV station in your area, guess what? Call them and email them and tell them. Uh, you can go to any TV station's website and hit a contact and say, hey, here's a TV show that's out there in the market, and I want it on your show. Uh, you get enough people in that market to do that, and I'm positive that that TV station will reach out to us and we'll get on there as well. Um, so we've got a lot going on, and uh, if they can ever get uh, COVID under control here in the United States, we might get some current day wrestling being booked here uh, with Jerry Jarrett being involved, which is exciting as well. But we got to wait and see how COVID's going to do before that happens. Yeah, are you you thinking about getting back into the uh, the promoting game if everything clears up? We are, but yes, absolutely. That will have to happen first. The only reason for that is Jerry just turned 77, um, and my dad uh, is turning 60 this year, and my dad just really doesn't want to uh, – we said that from the very beginning when this happened. Uh, we don't want to be held responsible for somebody getting COVID you know, by coming to a wrestling show. Even though you can't prove that, uh, someone from our show gets COVID three, four days later. I mean, you're going to have some guilt that yeah, it probably happened at our show. I mean, that's just, you know, whether you use social distancing and masks or whatever, we don't want to be responsible for it. Um, but yeah, they can get this under control. Uh, now you got all these different variants that are coming over here, and it looks like it may take another year to two years before it gets cleared up. But if they can get a vaccine going, yes, uh, 100%. That is the plan. I talked to Rip Rogers on the phone two, three days a week. He's somebody else that, uh, as you guys know, hosts for us, but he's somebody that's going to be, a, uh, I guess, what you call, what the WWE calls a road agent, what the AEW calls a coach. Uh, that'll be Rip Rogers for us if we can ever get COVID under control and get uh, current wrestling running again. Nice. Good stuff. Hey, before we kind of wrap it up, Lavi, please give uh, all your social media plugs as well. Yeah, and just wanted to say what a pleasure. Um, we really appreciate uh, all of your time and uh, uh, really learning. Um, my 
You can follow me on Twitter at LaVieMarg, L-A-V-I-E-M-A-R-G. Um, check out some of my longer form articles at LionCubJobSearch.com and check out my books on Amazon.com. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website TMPTEmpire.com. And Adam, thank you uh, so much for all the time tonight. Really uh, appreciate it. And hopefully, uh, Jared Parsons Wrestling and Entertainment uh, blows up even bigger and bigger with classic wrestling. Hey, thanks, guys. And I, I meant really meant what I said earlier. It's really cool. That's one of the coolest things uh, about this whole thing is just being able to be. To be asked uh, that someone wants to hear, uh, at least just hear what I have to say and and be able to interview me. So I appreciate uh, you guys reaching out, and I enjoyed uh, being on your show. Thank you, and thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Business of the Business. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.